welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and uh, joined here by my co-host, Executive Vice President, congratulations, Stacey Frank Thank of you. Elite Consulting Partners. Welcome. Welcome. Happy to be back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Even though it's the 15th and I don't say Happy New Year right. uh, after the 4th. Right. Um, happy New Year anyway. Happy MLK Day. Oh, that's right. Today is MLK Day. So happy MLK Day. We are um, in the studio. We are working. The firm is rocking and rolling today. We had back-to-back meetings all day long. Anyway, lots of decisions that we had to make today, which is the point of the, con- the, the, the conversation today is decision fatigue um, and how to avoid decision fatigue when you're making a move. Again, we go through these conversations. And if you're new to the show, by the way, welcome to the show. These conversations are based on interactions that we've had with advisors over the last few weeks, months, uh, recent things. And we've come across some folks that they they know they want to make a move. In their gut, they know that the firm that they're at, for whatever their reasons are, is not the right firm for them. And they want to uh, turn over every stone, right? They want to kick over every rock. They want to look for every single scenario. And a lot of times, they end up getting what we call decision fatigue, right? Paralysis by analysis. Right. And I think the, the there's an expectation in the industry and no one's people are afraid to say that making a move is not going to be perfect. Right. I think that people are afraid to say that because it makes the, a broker dealer is afraid to say that, like, hey, listen, it's not going to go perfectly. Right. Because they're afraid that the advisor or you may not want to move if it's not going to be perfect. The reality is nothing in life is perfect. You can't Ha- you can't figure out every single scenario. Like you were moving an advisor and we thought we did, I don't want to use his name, but we thought we did everything correctly. We thought we guided him. He did everything correctly, had the attorneys involved, you know, went by the book and the firm, you know, just decided in his case, we're going to go after him, right? Mm. We, we, it's not that we couldn't anticipate that because we did a lot of that stuff, but a lot of preventative stuff. Right? right, we did a lot of preventative stuff, and ultimately the firm decided to do something that that they hadn't done before, and you know he so he had to make some decisions. That my guess is, if he thought through that scenario beforehand and what would have happened, and the correct conversations that we had with him. Um, while he was going through it, he probably wouldn't have made the move. Right, right. Yeah, he was absolutely um, just operating on on fear. Um, he had a lot of um, support from us and from the firm that he went to and from the attorneys, and it just it it really consumed. It caused some of his paralysis by analysis. I mean, the good news for him is that he actually ended up moving and just talked to him the other day and actually quite successful at the moment. Um, And in hindsight, if he just trusted his gut and trusted the due diligence um, that we took him through, he might have been able to alleviate some of the angst uh, that he experienced. But Right, because he had the angst 
about what was going to happen. And the firm, the firm actually took a harder line and he got through it. Um, and he, you know, but if he had thought that was going to happen, he probably wouldn't have moved, but he got through it anyway and was better off. And he's so happy after it was done. And my point to the whole thing is it's never going to be perfect. There's going to be things that are going to, that are going to come up, but he knew fundamentally that the firm that he was going to go to was going to be a better firm than where he was at. And he just had to make the move and deal with whatever consequences. You know, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. And I think in the end, if he kept his eye on the ball, which he did, he did a really good job Mm -hmm, of doing mm -hmm. that, kept the eye on the ball, kept his eye on the vision and just let that dictate what he was trying to achieve, which he's extremely happy. He's at the right firm for him. Um, that some of this would have been alleviated. But again, to your point, there will never be a perfect scenario. There will never be a perfect time for some of life's biggest milestones, um, building a house, getting married, starting a family, whatever it is. You can think and overthink, but if you're somebody that does that, then you may never get to, to the end zone. You right. may never get to the place that you want to achieve. So sometimes, and we joke, just rip the Band-Aid off and go, but it will be calculated risk because of our guidance, because of the research that we do. And the we do this all all day, all week. Well, the other thing is trust in yourself. You know, uh, trust I was, in yourself. I was listening to a podcast over the weekend uh, by a friend, Ed Milet, and it was all about how to make decisions, how to make better decisions, quicker decisions. And some of it is habit uh, and exercise. The more decisions you make, uh, the better at decision-making do you get. Uh, but he used an example of, uh, Henry Ford and that, you know, when Henry Ford decided to build a, you know, car business and he had people telling him, oh, it was a bad idea. You know, if he didn't have people saying, well, you know, we shouldn't do this because, you know, there's nobody to replace the tires or there are no mechanics. So who's going to fix the car when they break down? Or if they get flat tires, who's going to replace the tires? Or are there carbon issues and pollution issues? And you better not do this. Be-. Like there were so many decisions that he could have gone through and if he did, he maybe wouldn't have started the business, but he didn't. He, he had the information that was relevant at the time, trusted himself. I mean, I'm being really dumbing down Henry Ford, you know, error, right? And <laughs> so for, I apologize, but you get the point. Um, is that he he made a decision based on what he wanted to do and what he believed was a great idea and figure out the rest of it, right? Like, I'll, we'll figure it out. I know what I want to do. He went all in on it. That's the other thing that we talk about with our our clients. When you know you want to make a move, you've done enough due diligence, right? You're you're squabbling over a point here and a point there. Like you're that's paralysis by analysis. And maybe worrying right? and, and asking too many people, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And that's great to get the advice of your friends and your family and your trusted business colleagues. But in the end, it's your decision. Um, we're here to help you move towards being able to make that decision. We're not going to infuse our timelines on you or make it about us. It's about you, the advisor, but help you to achieve that decision. And 99.99% of the time, nobody ever goes back the other direction. Right. And they almost always say, I should have done it sooner. Should have done it sooner, especially advisors that achieve autonomy, private practice, independence. I think what, in 12 years, one case and it was a unique situation where they went back on their decision but because of the support and the due diligence and the guidance we provide we 
we come pretty close to getting it right most of the time. Well, listen, one of our uh, core values is commitment to client. And and part of the reason is it's being it's be, being an active listener, yep. which means that you actually, and you should take this, um, you can take this into your client base as well. Too many people make the mistake of, of hearing what they want to hear from the other person, right? Active listening, and I learned this from you, Stacey, active listening is really truly listening to what they have to say without putting your own spin on what you think that they're saying, right? Um, it's always good to actually re, re, um, sort of reflect back to them what you've heard. But active, right, active listening is about truly listening to what they want. And we do that um, because we want to find out what's beneath the surface of their rationale, your rationale in making a move, right? And you made a point, which I think is really, really critical. One, because it helps you make the decision, but two, it can avoid issues mm -hmm. um, like we have uh, with something recently. Um, you start asking more and more people for advice on what you think they should do. Number one, unless they're in this business, they don't understand, right? So you shouldn't be asking people outside of the industry what they think you should do because they don't know. They don't know what it's like to call clients and tell them I'm leaving the firm. They don't know any of that stuff. So talking to people outside of the industry is a waste of time mm -hmm. and it's and exposes you to risk, right? Talking to people inside the industry, friend friends of yours, if you're if you're listening to this on, I, I, on iTunes, I'm doing quotes, air quotes, right? Friends of yours, um, who actually do know the industry are the wrong people to tell because loose lip, lips sink ships. Um, this is a very small street and you talk to somebody and then they're going to, and you're going to say, don't tell anyone. And then they're going to, oh no, I'm not going to tell anyone. And then you walk out and they're talking to their wholesaler friend and like, oh, yeah. Hey, did you hear? Yeah. Hey, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just talking to John. Even nonchalantly. He, he told right? me he was leaving too. What, you know, who, who, what are you hearing? Like, and then that goes to somebody else, and that gets to somebody else. But the, the the truth of the matter is, if you're talking to us or anybody like us or another firm because you felt this need to look elsewhere, you already know the answer to that question, meaning the question of should I leave or not. You already know the answer. You're talking to me or Stacy or somebody Our else team. because you're not happy with the firm for some reason. So you already know you should leave. It's your gut instinct. If your gut instinct, and I'll preach a little, whatever you want to call it, um, I look at gut instinct as God talking through you, right? That's what gut instinct is. That's that little voice inside your gut. It, in my world, it's God talking to me. So I listen to my gut a lot um, because it's usually right. Um, on occasion, it's wrong. It, actually, the gut is not wrong. My decision is wrong because I didn't listen to my gut instinct. And what's the phrase? God's rejection is it's actually God's protection. protection. Right. right. There, there's a, re there's a right. reason for so, that. So I just, you know, when we go through these conversations with advisors, um, we see advisors try too hard to make the perfect decision. It's worse if you're working by yourself, meaning it's worse if you're trying to do this on your own. Um, obviously, um, our firm is a great firm. Elite Consulting Partners, we would love, we have a, we have, you know, we're close to 70 people strong here. We have a ton of experience. Um, but there's a lot of good, good transition consultants out there, recruiters out there, right? There's a lot of not, not good ones, but there's some pros out there that you would be in, it would be in your best interest to be working with someone from our firm or one of those firms 
um, because we all know, and I'm speaking for the for the group of of uh, professional consultants out there. We all know where the bodies are buried. We all know the good firms and not so good firms. We all know the types of deals that can be made. Um, we all know who does what they say they're going to do. Right. Oh, we help you recruit. Oh, we help you grow. Do they actually do it? That's what we're here to uncover. That's something that below the surface, you, the advisor, won't be able to see. But we spend an exorbitant amount of time learning who those real players are in the space to help you make that decision. Right. And when we work with an advisor and we and we help them come to a decision, uh, like I said before, we've had practice at this, right? We we do this all the time. It's all we do. So we see similarities in somebody's practice versus other advisors that move to that firm or other firms. So we see all the similarities. It's like two baseball players. You know, one guy is you know does does batting practice once a week, and you know he uses the same pitcher, right? Because that's he's comfortable with that pitcher, and so he just only does batting practice with that pitcher. Another guy does batting practice every single day and does a different pitcher who throws different who throws different pitches all week long. The odds are the second guy is going to be a better hitter because he's getting more batting practice and he's seeing different pitches. And so he's honing his skills. That's what we do. We see different pitches all the time and we know how to hit them. And the worst thing that an advisor can do, you try to thread a needle. What if you're out there and you're thinking about making a move and you're trying to thread this needle. What I mean by that is you're trying to find the right firm amongst the litany of firms that are out there. You're trying to match, the, you know, find the absolute best payout with the be- absolute best economics, with the best technology. Keep paying attention to your clients right. and you're at the same to time. Right, and you're trying to pay attention to your clients and look good with to your manager so they don't think that you're leaving and you're trying to do all these different things and eventually things start to start to um, crack or then you're trying to so now you find so you get to the point where you find that that is the right firm to make which which can be exhausting if you're trying to if you're trying to be per- perfect on everything and then you're trying to thread the needle on the time to move. I should move right before April 15th or I should move right after April 15th. Overanalyze. There, there, there is no perfect time. Right, there is no perfect other, start. Day. What's the best time of year to move? We I, get that all the all time. Right, someone said to me the other day, well, he's going to move in. He's going to, I'm going to move in May. This is what he, I'm going to move in May. This way my client doesn't get two 1099s. And I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't matter when you move. Your clients are going to get two 1099s the first year, no matter what. If they moved on January 1st, they're getting two 1099s. So it's this whole thing of trying to be perfect, right? What If you find a firm that you feel is a good firm and you feel like the economic number um, is, you know, people don't, you, you know, you're a guy doing a million dollars and you're squabbling over, a one percent, or a five thousand dollar, or ten thousand dollar annual difference in whatever you want, right? To be at the right firm and be happy with what you're doing, to be to be able to build the company you want, ten thousand dollars. And I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to in sound the grand scheme up, of life, in the grand right? scheme of life, ten thousand dollars is nothing, right? Because you find the right firm, you won't even miss the ten thousand dollars because you're going to make way more than the ten thousand dollars to be happy, right? But if you Go to the wrong firm because you're not taking the advice of the people around uh, you. Know, I say around you, meaning our people, right? That are in the know, and you're not listening to your gut instinct, and you go to the wrong firm. Um, that that ten thousand dollars could be very costly. So it's just really important that you understand 
why it is you're trying to move, right? What are the reasons why you're trying to move? I, I asked this question. You've heard me ask this. Like, why are you here with us? Like, why are you talking to me? Right? Why are you talking to us? You're busy. You're all busy. All financial advisors are busy. Some are busier than others. Um, but why are you talking to us? And they'll go through why they're uh, unhappy with the firm that they're at. And then they say, but I'm not sure I want to leave. Like, okay, so you just told me you hate the firm that you're at. All the reasons how right. you want to achieve this vision for your business and for your family, for yourself. And then we go through the process and then the fear kicks in. And then so does decision fatigue and all those things that we were talking about earlier. And then you're right back where you started from. I mean, how many times have we had, it just happened to me with a with a uh, Midwest wirehouse team that came back to us after after two years. Why is that? And we said to them, we think we're going to be having the same conversation in two years. Of all those reasons that scared you off from moving the first time, I think you'll be back. Oh, no, you know, I think this is my decision. Well, sure enough, those underlying reasons that were motivating them in the first place surfaces again. It happens all the time. I always like to say once an advisor is symptomatic or being curious of wanting to move and leave, they always are. So trust that. Trust that gut because it will keep coming back to you. Right, because certain things that firms aren't going to change. And fundamentally, there are certain things that a firm just can't change, right? If you're at a wirehouse firm, there are just certain things that they can't do. And if those are the things that are frustrating you, it's not going to change. What will change is your, you know, in that, in that particular advisor's um, situation, you know, that two years, like there was opportunity cost that he lost by sitting around hoping things were going to change and they didn't. Right, actually right? got worse. And we, okay. see, and we see that happening time and time again. Right. So I when think you, our message here is, you know, don't, don't succumb to the fear. Don't succumb to the fatigue of just not being able to make the decision because it will keep coming back to you. The ones that rip the Band-Aid off, make the leap, the calculated risk with our guidance, they never go backwards. They never go back downstream. Yeah, listen, you're, you're listening to this podcast. You're a financial advisor. You've been in the business a long time. You're a smart individual. When you feel there's something in your gut that's telling you that you shouldn't be at the firm anymore, it's it almost never changes. Um, and just listen to that. And I'm not, this is not us trying to push people to make moves, right? If your gut's telling you I shouldn't move, don't move. Like if you're like, yeah, there's some things that I'm, there are some things I'm not happy about at this firm, but I'm not ready to move yet. Then don't move. Right, it's a lift. I mean, we and we re- and we recognize that it's, a lift. it's disruptive. It it puts you on your heels a little bit, but in the end, and that's why when we ask a, qu- a lot of questions and that actively listening component that you brought up before, that we're we're writing these things down. We're helping you define those goals so that when you make that decision, you're running towards a better opportunity for your business. So the the fear slowly dissipates, and we're here to help you do that. Yeah, and you're. My message also is you're never going to be able to have a perfect decision. If anyone tells you that you can, they can help you make a perfect decision, you're they're lying. a long time. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're lying. Um, there are always going to be things that will come out that you haven't seen before. You know, you don't know what you don't know. You know, we don't know what we don't know. We know a lot of things about making a move, but you don't know what you don't know. You don't know which clients, you hope that all your clients are going to say yes, but some may not. Some clients that you think might say no, say yes. We, we, we've seen all of that, right? You, you make a decision, you get your arms around your clients, you trust yourself, you trust who you are as an individual and your team, that no matter what happens, we're going to be happier 
at the other place because we're miserable here, right? And if we lose clients, we lose clients, right? We're going to get new clients. Believe in yourself. We talk about advisors that want to grow and they want to recruit and they want to acquire. And that's awesome. But then they just say, yeah, but I'm not going to move until I can get a book of business. Right. right? I'm not going to move until, right? They make they make their decision conditional, which is one of the things that Ed talked about, making it conditional. I'll move when, right? I'm going to move. I want to grow by acquisition. So when you show me a book of business to move, then I'll move. Be waiting a long time. You'll be waiting a long time. Or get in line. <laughs> right. Yeah, get in line, right? Um, if you know that's something that you want to do, then set your business up to be a, an acquirer and then go to a firm that's going to best help you to acquire practices. If you're candidly, if you're at a, if you're at a wirehouse firm and there are some, look, I know some practitioners that have built really good businesses at wirehouse firms acquiring practices. But the reality is it's easier to acquire practices when you're independent. There are more of them. Um, you can attract advisors from all different firms um, if you're at a, and I'm just, I'm not picking on any firms here. I'm just using them as examples, right? If you're at Morgan Stanley, um, you can acquire some practice, you, you know, practice or two at Morgan Stanley, generally the guys in your offices. It's going to be harder to do that with an advisor in another office. And it's going to be equally as hard to do it acquiring a Merrill Lynch advisor or a UBS advisor. Because now you're asking that advisor to make two major decisions. One, move firms. Two, sell to you. It's Merrill Lynch to Morgan Stanley or UBS to you know Morgan Stanley or whatever it is. Between Morgan Stanley and UBS. When you're at an independent firm, it's much easier. I know it doesn't sound that way, but it's much easier to go after a bigger pool of candidates because you're not dealing with the same types of, of issues. A Merrill Lynch advisor may have the same type of frustrations um, at Morgan Stanley that they do a Merrill Lynch, right? Um, or they may say, eh, it's all, it's all the same. I'm just going from one wire to another wire. So what's the difference, right? Versus wired independence. And the decision here is, are you, do you, are you looking to grow the business for the firm that you're at? Or are you looking to grow the business for yourself? And that's, and that's a major decision. And a lot of times we can't, I just asked that team, that Midwest team in the wirehouse, that question, you know, you, you say you want to grow, but are you looking to grow the firm that you're at? where you don't have any real skin in the game? Or are you looking to grow your legacy and your brand um, and have a lot more autonomy and flexibility to do that, more ownership, real ownership? So that's a huge question, part of the decision matrix. <laughs> right, right. So you just need to think about what it is you're trying to get accomplished. Um, and again, you're you're not going to have all the answers. Um, what you need to do is work with a trusted, trusted consultant Someone from Elite Consulting Partners, Stacy, um, or many others that we have here at the firm to help guide you um, and give you some of that information that you need so that you don't get decision fatigue. Um, and then once you get all that information as a smart individual, then just go with what your gut is telling you. Um, we worked with somebody. Remember, we were working with a, a team and um, we kept going through this scenario and she kept, in a way, like selling herself on one particular firm. And finally, I asked her, well, why do you, why do you keep, you keep looking at all these other firms, but you keep talking about this other firm? And she was like, well, that's, that's the one I just feel like I'm going to, I'm going to be the happiest at. I said, then, then this conversation is over. Like, that's the decision. Cause every firm is going to have their pluses and minuses. There is no firm that's perfect. There is no firm that's got it dialed in. 
There is no firm that has the perfect technology or the perfect trading platform. You can compare these firms every single day, all year long, and you're going to find differences, right? But once you find a firm that you feel is the right firm and has adequate technology, has the right economics for you, has the right culture for you. Right culture, right. The right support. And and that's what your gut is telling you. That's what you go with because that's where you're going to be the happiest. And it's all about, it really is all about being happy with a decision in your new firm. Because if you're happy with where you're at, your energy level is going to be higher. You're going to treat your your staff better. Your staff's going to treat your clients better. You're going to treat your clients better. And it's a win-win for everybody. And so we're trying to get this message out so that you don't get decision fatigue or paralysis by analysis, whatever you want to call it, and end up not moving and then staying at the firm that you're at and being miserable and then wondering why you're not growing. And coming back to us a few years later, it happens all the time. All the time. For those of us that have been doing this for quite some time, we see it time and time again. So we're here to help you, you know, get rid of the paralysis, get rid of the fatigue, um, get rid of the fear, stop talking to everybody around you. What do you think? What do you think? I think that's a huge factor. Well, let me ask my wife. Well, let me ask my friend in Colorado. Let me ask, you know, it's, it's just avoidance. And so we're here to help you make the right decision, come to your own self-realization. It's not where we need you to go. It's where, you know, the process really brings you over time. One of the biggest fears is my business is going to implode and I'm not going to be able to make the kind of money I used to make. I'm going to lose all my clients. If you're working with a professional consulting firm, and there's, again, there's there's a handful of us out there, right? More than a handful, but there's a couple that I really highly respect. If you're working with any of us, we're not going to put you in a position that you have that kind of exposure, right? Excuse me. If we're looking at your situation, and maybe it's in a in a in a much different situation than the norm, um, and we are like, you know what? This this might be a problem. Like you have significant exposure here to lose a lot of clients because you don't you don't you don't own them. We we might guide and advise you that this is going to be a highly risky move. Um, but if you're coming from a traditional shop, I mean, even a bank shop for that matter, we've had some real success there because we ask, we ask the right questions in terms of book ownership and all this other stuff, right? But don't let the fear of your entire book blowing up and you going broke. Uh, there's every once in a while you hear horror stories about things like that. And it's because, at least the ones that I know of, uh, they did it on their own. They didn't do proper due diligence. Um, and I'm not talking about paralysis by analysis, but they did very little due diligence, right? And they just focused on how much money am I going to get to make the move, which is a mistake. Well, they didn't have the right preparation. And right. that, and that's what we always coach on as well is these firms have a vested interest, a vested interest in helping you retain your clients. If the firm doesn't help you do that, then nobody wins. Then you're losing clients and they're losing a lot of time and clients. Those transition teams, especially even more so in the last, I don't know, five years or so, the preparation before, during, and after gives us comfort and allows us to really get you connected with the right transition folks at each firm and let them guide you, let them help you prepare your protocol spreadsheet um, for, again, the before, the during, the after for client retention. Everybody wins when that when that's the case. Right. So, listen, we're we're, we're not beating we're, – we're paralysis by analysis with our conversation, <laughs> I guess. Um, we don't do that. You get the idea, right? Um, 
trust the process, work with a work with a seasoned professional, get the most relevant information you can and make a decision and understand that nothing's going to be perfect. So uh, with that said, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you have any other questions, you can call Stacy at 856-816-6322 or Stacy at Elite Consulting Partners. Don't forget the E in Stacy. Awesome. So thanks for listening and uh, we hope to have you on the next, hear you on the next show. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts. Mm-hmm.